Welcome to Gucci Row on the Rebel HD2. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly, with co-host Will Despart. Sitting Gucci Row like they say up at UNLV. Thanks for tuning in to our courtside conversations covering all things NBA. Young Rebel, young money, nothing you can tell me. What's up, y'all? Gucci Row, episode eight. I'm here, your host, Kevin Kelly. Your co-host, Will Despart. How are you feeling this week, Will? Pretty good. How about you? Good, good, good. Uh, feeling great. Not too much going on. And we're back here in the stew. Feels good. What gonna say? Back at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, doing well. Um, just to preview this one, there's not a ton of news going on um, or updates within the NBA world. You know, this is typically the, the really dead part of the offseason, which is fine. You know, uh, we got a little kickers, just some news to go through, but mostly keep it on light on there and uh, just get into some more opinion type stuff uh, and questions. For sure. Um, so, yeah, one random thing, not even really basketball related that I uh, wanted to translate to the basketball talk. I saw this TikTok that asked, uh, it, was, it was just random, it asked, if you got dropped into 2030 just for 10 minutes, um, what's one question you'd ask? So what's one basketball question you'd ask if you got dropped into 2030? Uh, I'd like to know if like the Warriors core retires as Warriors. Mm, I that's think a- as a fan, I think that's like... I think we've won all the championships we're going to get at this point. I think for me as a fan to see it, like that perfect... like bow on it as it would be for them to retire together yeah no that's a good one especially because there's been so much you know uh obviously draymond just signed his extension but there hasn't been any lack of talk about whether clay and draymond are there for the long yeah, right term. it's definitely like something that's always brought up every off season and i don't know i definitely want to see them all retire together even though i know it's probably not the best for like the long-term future i think yeah i could agree and you know they gave so much to that franchise. I think uh, finals are valuable enough to where you should kind of keep that um, going if they want to. And then also on that same side of the coin, like players are a lot more likely to join you in free agency if they see, um, you know, your career be treated with that type of respect and, and, and admiration like that. I also just care about like the sentimentality of sports and everything. Like as much as it is all about winning, the winning doesn't mean anything if it's not with people that like you were supporting and you've been following for their whole career. So it, it obviously would be like the perfect. For sure. Is that's and why for a lot of people, I think like those homegrown uh, championships like Giannis had and whatnot are, are really valuable. So yeah, to have like a whole dynasty built on it. I think that's a good point. The sentiment definitely matters. Um, So mine, if I got dropped into 2030, my question would be, mm, so Jimmy recently said that he doesn't, this is, I guess, uh, kind of stealing from you. I'll give two. Jimmy recently said that he uh, would love to not play for another team besides the Heat. And, um, you know, when we got him, I, I didn't see this type of arc for our team with him at the center. Like, greatly have exceeded my expectations from that point. So, that said, I would love to see him, like you said, stay uh, and finish out here. And I think he just represents that so well. Um, 
and then uh, I guess the other one, <laughs> the other one would be how many All Star games does Shaden Sharp make? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, that, that was that was just a fun one. And then uh, so I guess to get into it a little bit, we'll start with some of the potential player movement. Um, with Harden and Dame obviously being the big names, uh, James Harden. It was reported this week that his request out, similarly to how Dame apparently only let, wants Miami, it was said that Harden is is pretty dead set on going to uh, L.A. playing with um, Russ. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you have thoughts about what Harden on a Clippers team with Russ would look like. It's fine. They're not going to win any championships or anything. But <clears throat> It's funny. I mean, like, you might as well. Yeah. Screw it. And it's funny, you know, I saw someone mentioning about how much movement both Harden and Russ and even KD, like that whole Thunder group, uh, has just moved around the league so much. But, um, yeah, so on that Harden note, uh, a bit of it is about Daryl Morey. They've had a a long-standing relationship, you know, going back to Houston. Daryl Morey was the GM there, and he essentially built a whole uh, successful roster around just having the ball in Harden's hand as much as possible and um, you know clearly that's something that you'd appreciate as a player but that said you know he traded for him well Maury moved to the Sixers and then traded for him from the Nets and obviously you know his role is a lot different there much more of a playmaker doesn't have the nearly the usage rate that he did because of Embiid and stuff but um, you know it always seemed like they had a great relationship but it, it came out this week that uh, the relationship with Maury is seemingly fractured. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess most people wouldn't expect that. Even when I saw him ask out, I was sort of under the impression that it was, uh, you know, not really a, a, a feud with Maury's per se. I'm not that surprised. I mean, how many times can you spurn someone before they start to get in their feelings about it? Uh, on both sides, right? Like, Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so then, you know, the question is, what what is he going to look like at training camp and at the beginning of the season? Because you know all the memes are floating around right now about the stoop the <laughs> the fat suit and about how he just looked entirely out of shape when he wanted to move. So yeah, but Jake Fisher reports uh, that he is going to to report to training camp as of now, and uh, he doesn't expect that to change, which I think is interesting because he's not like in one of these situations uh, with a huge contract where he's doesn't have any leverage this is the last year of his deal like if he wanted to theoretically hold out despite all my uh, personal feelings about how much I'd hate it he probably could so I'm interested to see if if that pans out and if he does show up ready to go for a training camp um, and then also I guess to uh, pose it to you that said like you know he took the pay cut on his player option uh, to help the tier- team and now he wants out I guess well like what value He's still James Harden, obviously. He uh, is still one of the best passers in the league, led the league in assists last year, I believe. So, um, yeah, like w- what value do you think he demands on, on an expiring deal? I mean, I'm not going to move heaven and earth for him if I'm a GM. Like, I, I don't even think I'm giving up a lot of draft capital. Like, uh, It's not – even if you had time on the contract, he's not exactly a player at this point in his career that I'm jumping the fence for. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be – I just – I can't see the Sixers 
blowing it up in any case unless Embiid really was dying to leave but so that said I, I don't I don't think it'll be draft capital if it is the Clippers what does it look like I mean it's got to be there's no way you have Russ Harden um PG and Kawhi there right I mean one of them's got to be involved but it's not going to be Russ because of the money obviously so does one of them leave like yeah I'm just not I'm confused about how that how that ends up looking so yeah I guess to stay on the Sixers um, Joel Embiid was at the uninterrupted film festival and had a little interview with Mav Carter um, and the quote blew up he said I just want to win a championship um, you know whatever it takes I don't know where that's going to be whether it's in Philly or anywhere else he uh, took to Twitter right after to say he was trolling Um, and Sam Amick of The Athletic reported that the Sixers are of the belief that uh, they're not worried about that at all and that he wants um, a Kobe Dirk type, like one team long career arc. Uh, if you have thoughts on that. I mean, they should definitely be worried. I think every team that has a star player should be worried. It's not 2000 anymore. It's not 2010 anymore. Players aren't going to stick around just to stick around. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that kind of mentality might work if, you haven't paid the guy, you know, if if the max hasn't kicked in yet. But yeah, he he's gotten all the money he needed in Philly. Like he's had, he just won MVP. He's had his individual success. I don't think that he feels so tied to Philly that if a great opportunity came out for him to join a contender, um, with the right position or I mean the right system in place, I think he absolutely would. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and then so another bit of controversy from this week. Uh, comes out out of your end <laughs> with um, Draymond. Uh, you know, a few times, actually, he uh, has made some comments. So I guess the first one, uh, sorry, he was on the Pat Bev pod um, where he was discussing last year's training camp incident uh, where footage leaked at practice of him punching Jordan Poole in the face, who, of course, uh, this offseason got moved to the Wizards. And... Um, yeah, they they talked about that a little bit, and uh, Draymond hinted towards uh, a buildup of the beef, and basically said how uh, it, it wasn't triggered by something immediate. His quote was, uh, "I don't just get triggered by something like that fast to that degree. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a team. Ain't nobody on my team triggering me in an instant. You know, we stand on stuff that you don't say amongst men. We know things that you have to stand on." I mean, fair enough. Like, you're not going to get any brownie points for knocking your teammate out. But, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious at that point that something was clearly said that crossed the line. I mean, I don't think that a physical reaction like that would be provoked if something verbal that was not egregious was said. So Yeah, you have to imagine it was something. I don't think that excuses what Draymond did, but I also don't buy the narrative in this that, like, Jordan Poole is some, like, innocent victim. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting, like, because on the Draymond end of things, like, last, a lot of people are mentioning about how he came out and was, like, really apologetic and seemingly sincerely apologetic uh, immediately. And then, obviously, it's a lot later. The um, PR team is probably working a lot less hard on that matter. But, yeah, he's a lot more candid now and speaking um, pretty openly. Uh, And I guess 
you know, some people are saying that Jordan Poole is taking the high road by not saying anything. I don't know. He's throwing subliminals, some subliminals himself. So, but then to stay on that, the next part of it was um, Jordan Poole's dad, who took to Twitter and was uh, basically saying that uh, that he and P- Jordan Poole were good f- on good terms and friends all of last year. He basically accused him of lying on that front, and then went on to call him soft, uh, among a couple other words that I'm not going to say. And then he basically said that Draymond was ducking him for most of the year. To which, I don't believe that part. First off, yeah. I don't think Draymond's ducking anyone, much less a father of a kid who's 6'3". I mean, yeah, we'll carry on. Yeah, so then I agree. I agree. And apparently Draymond does too. He replied and basically said, uh, he tweeted back at him and said, that's cute. Basically, he saw him all the time in uh, meeting rooms from last year. And that is a lie. And lastly, he said to probably avoid calling him things like that, <laughs> um, you know, soft. And I guess you could imagine things along that line. You know, I, I just think it's a good entertainment, obviously, when family members on, 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 of players get involved on Twitter. But I think it always makes the player whose family member got involved look worse because yeah, you're a it's grown a PR adult. nightmare. You're a grown adult. Your parents shouldn't be getting involved in your work drama like if I have an issue with someone at work, I'm not calling my mother and having my mother like tear them a new one. It so, reminds yeah. me of uh, what's her name, Horford, and the the heat that she catches on Twitter. But yeah, yeah I agree. I think it's awesome when um, family members are active, like in a positive, fun way. Like uh, I think we've mentioned on the pod, Tari Eason's mom, who is really funny and active on Twitter. But yeah, like once you get into, you know, taking positions on controversial things and calling not even that when you're provoking a play like you're you're trying to stir something up that is uh, this stuff is going to be in the media whatever we get that it's going to be talked about because sensationalism and that's what they go for but like you're this does jordan Poole no good to stay in the media it does his father no good to talk about it and talk like he was doing a tough guy act with Draymond last year when we all saw it Jordan Poole wasn't even speaking to Draymond they were he was avoiding him at all costs like yeah and I think as uh, definitely as far as PR goes that's the way you should play it even after like oh yeah I think Jordan Poole did the exact right thing because he lets Draymond talk himself into a hole like Draymond every, the more Draymond speaks the worse he makes himself look yeah no, I agree. I think both of them too. Like that's, uh, I agree. I think that's why Jordan looks better for uh, being quiet and not directly engaging. But that said, <laughs> you know, I guess it's pretty commonly known amongst most players that Poole talks as much as anyone. Um, a lot of times in scenarios where he, maybe he even shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's so. that's known. That's part of what I was insinuating earlier. The guy runs his mouth. And- yeah. Like, obviously, does he deserve to get knocked out of his job? No, but You're am def- I surprised that it happened, given what I've heard about him? Also, no. Right. Um, and then, I guess, to close it up, the last thing on Draymond, this one's, I mean, far less consequential, but I think worth talking about. Uh, he had a quote where he came out and basically, like, declared how, I mean, we all knew it, but how he doesn't really like Chris Paul and didn't in the past, but... Um, also said that like it, yeah, he didn't change his mind there, but basically said that it's all good and we're grown men can have that conversation, move past it and work together. Um, okay, we'll have the conversation and move past it. Don't sit in an interview and say, oh, yeah, I'm gonna stand on my word. Well, 
you're an adult, okay? You have you're employed, you have a job, like uh, yeah, like I guess I'm grateful that the scenario does come up because it's you know, something that obviously athletes have to deal with that we probably don't imagine. Like you tend to think that these guys generally get together or get along really well and are friends and stuff. But obviously as we know in, in I mean don't non- be naive. They're I, I bet they're not friends more often than they are friends. It's just yeah. like any work environment. You're right. not going to just be great friends for life with the people who just like I think people I think people think sports are like this like super like human entity at times and it's mm-hmm. not just like a human position and a human job. Like these are guys are all just employees all they're still making way more than the typical employee will make. They're not their own bosses. They're not making the calls. They're still like I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a, a great point because I think most fans do this. I'm probably even guilty sometimes of uh, not applying typical scrutiny or standards to them based on, like you said, how much money they make and how much limelight they're in. But, yeah, like they have all of these typical employment issues that uh, everyone faces. And that's like, not even to say people. like the more money you make should subject you to more criticism. Like I don't believe that just because they make a bunch of money they should be like criticized for that and that should be like oh they don't do enough to earn that money like I think they do. Mm-hmm. But that point also goes like I don't know. Yeah. No I, I think it's less so about the money when it ter- comes to scrutiny and more so just like you're, you're a public figure entertainer like you kind of like subject any, yourself even people in regular paying jobs like they're subject to more like regulations and more like i guess like they look at we get people in like the regular like civilian life get way less of a public like way less of a leash than like an athlete does at their job like if you say or do one wrong thing in the regular workforce you're i think that's true on some fronts and there's some where it's like the complete opposite that's fair because like i agree but then there's also things that me and you could post on our socials right now and be fine. And uh, these people could post and now have a job tomorrow. Like, I mean, maybe like a gun. Sure. But like, I don't think they're like, and like, I don't think we could get away with like, like I don't know what like, like the Myers Leonard thing. Like, obviously, no one's right. going to go on and say like racial slurs. But I think that'll get you fired from your job either way. Yes, but also. There's probably it just so won't get pe- you as much public criticism. Well, it won't even be seen. Is my yeah, point? Like, that's fair. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a really good point there, and like I said, also the the opposite side applies too. So yeah, I, I think most importantly, like you said, it's just important to view these guys through the lens of just a, a normal person because that's what they are. For um, sure. So another just a uh, more kicker, fun uh, type. Um, thing here we're just gonna I found this question on the NBA subreddit that basically just posed the question what hot takes are you willing to admit you were wrong about um, which I think is is, is cool because so many people throw out takes and either just don't keep track of them or uh, you know try and make them unheard when they're <laughs> they're not right um, and I'm also not one to give out a ton of hot takes but nonetheless I think it's fun to read the the prompt the pers- the original poster uh mentioned that uh, his was when Rondo was traded to the Mavericks in 2014 he told people they'd be contenders and that Rondo will take them to a new level um <laughs> and he was congratulating fans on uh on being able to witness playoff Rondo he said that one didn't seem to work out in my favor one that I wanted to read the mo- the 
uh, high subvoted one was a post that said, I thought Shea was overrated prior to last season. Thought people were crazy when they were expecting him to take a huge leap because he's an inconsistent shooter and playmaker. But hey, if you can average 31 points per game without needing threes, I concede. Yeah, I think my one would be a pretty common one, just like the whole Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, Lakers experiment. I thought for sure that was a home run. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, another one here, uh, two of them. One of them says, I thought Blake Griffin was going to be a, t- a top 10 player ever. That is definitely a hot take because a lot of these are common takes, but that's a good hot take. I feel like that may have been more common in like 2010, than, but only 2010. I think by 2012, that was probably a stale take but I think there was a, there was when Blake Griffin was first coming into the league like that rookie year he had that wasn't actually his rookie season because he was injured his first whole rookie season yeah he was just like basically sitting on everyone's shoulders like Duncan like that was the best rookie everyone. season I can remember he's he was the last rookie all-star too so yeah um this is one that I think you'll have fun with they said trading Monta Ellis Monta Ellis instead of Curry Well that yeah that's my that probably would be for me too because it was going to be a huge mistake I was when the Warriors traded Monte I was I was not a Warriors fan for very long I was only in like 6th grade and I became a Warriors fan because the school we went to was called the Warriors and they mm-hmm. were the worst team in the league so it was kind of like okay I just like, kind of like a almost like a meme Yeah but uh, like when they traded Monte Ellis I was like Okay, what's the point? Like I didn't like at that point Steph Curry wasn't anything. He was just right. Like a, That's what I was gonna say. Like as I mentioned with the Blake Griffin being a hot take, that this was not a hot take at the time. Like I think uh, like if Steph were the one to be traded that day, it wouldn't have batted nearly as many eyes. Yeah, especially yeah. I mean, Steph, uh, despite his career, was not an insane prospect and got passed on by for some significantly worse point guards. And even in the beginning of his career, like, he was just injury-ridden. Like, it didn't seem yep. like he was going to be able to, like, carry a franchise, especially as a point guard. Mm-hmm. And, like, after Monte got traded, it wasn't even, like, immediate where he was, like, the guy right away. Like, he, he, he had the opportunities, and he was in that driver's seat at that point, but he didn't, he didn't really step into it until the 2013 season. Yeah. Um, and then I guess uh, one more I have. Uh, this is I, I don't think this was a hot take at all, but obviously um, looking back looks really bad. I This one, well, I'll just start with the comment. They said, I thought KD, Kyrie Harden, Nets were going to ruin the league for another four years like the Warriors. And, yeah, I don't know if I was that far, but I was certainly of, of Yeah, I would have thought they, they got a contend. title. I thought they would have got a title, but I don't think they – I never thought they were going to, like – run the league just for the sheer fact that of course one of them was always going to like leave the picture like the incompatible it, 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 took, goes, t- yeah. it, t- it took kd four years in golden state to get jealous and leave or mm-hmm. three it took three seasons in golden state for him to see the slights and get jealous and use that to like as an, a way to get out so yeah and trey didn't help the cause either but yeah typical yeah but um yeah that's definitely one i'm on i i think that they were yeah, I don't know if I'd say Warriors like, but I thought they were gonna be those guys for a while. I guess uh, in the same vein, like, are there uh, any players you were extremely high on either in college, high school, or even like early in their career um, who didn't pan out or just average in the league? Like, this isn't isn't mine, but one that comes to mind when I say early in the league is like you look at um, 
MCW's uh, yeah. yeah rookie season and it seemed like two. I would say one Brandon Jennings mm-hmm. with the fifty-five point game as a rookie. I think everyone saw that and was like, okay, Jesus. Yeah, and um, even before that, like as a recruit, he was he was him. Another guy I'd say Dante Exum. Mm. He was a guy that I thought would be like. I guess I I kind of picture him as like being like what Tyrese Halliburton is now. Yeah, like, I, as like a Swiss Army knife kind of guy, but like yeah. still at an All Star level, and he was barely even serviceable. So I know it is cool to uh, to see him get a uh, contract now, though. Yeah, it is. Um, so mine, one big one, Seventh Woods. Who, yeah, uh, that that was. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he went to UNC, but he has like one of the best high school mixtapes ever. He was just an insane jumper and was yeah putting everyone on the post he's kind of like that Jaden Newman kid though in the sense that not like I know Jaden Newman's kind of like a meme at this point uh-huh. but kind of in the sense that they were such high prospects as like 14 year olds 15 year olds but yeah. by the time they were 17 or 18 they had regret like he he was kind of just like was, an Ellen sensation he would yeah he Julian yeah, Newman, yeah. but 7th Woods he didn't regress Jeez. to the point like Julian Newman did because he wasn't 5'3 yeah, yeah. But, like, he still never got past, like, right. like, his peak was literally, as a basketball player, was at 16 years old. Like, like, bro, I remember when I was, like, I don't in elementary, there was a, this kid who went on Ellen named Jay Sean Augusto. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> Julian I was Newman friends with him on Facebook. Him. Really? Yeah, it's just, uh, Julian, Newman, Julian Newman reminds me of him, but. Yeah, except the Jay Sean kid seemed like a decent kid, and the the, the Jaden yeah, Newman, like yeah, you saw yeah. the video on Twitter, I'm sure of him this week where he threw the ball off that guy's head and, and the then got tackled. Game. Yeah, like, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, I don't what do you care. expect? If you throw man. the, what are you doing, dude? You're these people are grown men. They're way bigger than you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I guess one more I would be completely remiss not to mention is uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Because I was so extremely high. Yeah, on I remember him. you being super high on him, but I wasn't yeah. really so hip on him. Or like he's just like he was kind of a guy that was under my radar. So it was uh-huh. like, he's like one of those super like I don't know if I fall under this category anymore, but like super bag talk loving like everyone who nailed. is like that uh, the whole eye test type guys. Like he has a beautiful game. I, like I saw a tweet this week that I agree with. Uh, someone posed a question: Who's got the best hezzy? In NBA history, and I don't know if he he's number one, but my God, he's definitely up there. He <laughs> that's like the signature of his game. His hezzy since he was like 15 has just been like ridiculous. It um, also goes to show as good as a hooper as you are, like that's not even that's just half the battle. Like there's so much more endurance and like mental toughness and fortitude that's required to be good in the NBA other than just being a great hooper. For sure, and like yeah, I used to fall victim to watching a lot of mostly just guards and highlights and uh like really like I said I test appreciating the ones that were just really shifty had good wiggle and and handle so and in a game setting that's not even like the strongest way to do it it's almost a liability at times it's a small part yeah especially yeah you see a guy like Chris Paul especially in his prime with like the Hornets even like that was an all business point guard like he wasn't out there like and even doing then, the Jamal Crawford thing, he was straight to the point, a distributor, and it, it worked. And even then, the game was so much different um, in terms of like offensive outlooks. And yeah, I think that 
That was um, also like the the peak of like street ball style NBA though, like how heavy isolation ball was in the mid two thousands. Yeah, but it was so many. It's funny. I see videos of like the long twos, like the foot on the line twos that people used to take while I'm they were sorry, wide open. Yeah. It's like, bro, take a half. That's a step shot back. that should have always been extinct. That was so yes. three pointer. Like even when I was in CYO, I was like a fifth grader, or like sixth grade when the three point line gets introduced or whatever. They're like the, the the long two is the worst shot you can take. Yeah, especially like no, because a lot of them you look go and look back at old footage. Their foot's literally on the line. Like, you, you, probably took a lot to get used to though when the line first came in that first season. Probably had some egregious ones where your foot's just like halfway sitting on the yeah. line. Yeah, like. and so that kind of I saw someone talk about like what what's the next. Um, so when we look back at footage of old hoop, and that's what what stands out to us something like like that like when they're taking a 21 footer and they could step a foot back or a foot and a half back and um and be on the three i guess the question is what's the next thing that we'll kind of look back at like early 2020s basketball and obviously there's no real good or right answer to this but we'll look back on and be like man what were we doing i think the amount of three pointers will regress back to like Interesting. Of the mean at some point. I don't think this is something that'll last forever. I think it'll morph into something different that maybe we haven't seen before, but I don't think it's just going to stay this way where it's just like... Because the reality is it's not an entertaining way to play basketball, at all things considered. At least it's not more entertaining than basketball in its purest form. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen with the MLB do this year is the MLB basically saved themselves by willing by putting changes in that were controversial at first. I didn't even agree with the changes, but they've been proven to work and they've been proven to like make things better and bring in viewership. And you just can't be so stuck in your ways that you're not willing to do that. Yeah, I mean that's uh, a good take, an interesting take. Uh, um, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what the path will be if it will be like extending this revolution we kind of have going on or like you said a regression um my last one i'll close it off with i think that one that i would look for uh is just the ability to fight through switches and how like matchup hunting is so prominent but there's so many teams that just allow seemingly allow switches or don't have the right scheme to avoid getting bad mismatches so i think that's one um But that's all we have for our show today. I appreciate you guys being here with us. Thank you so much. My name is Kevin (laughs) Kelly. I'm Will Despart, not Kevin Kelly. All right. Appreciate y'all, man. That's a wrap for Gucci Row this week. Thanks for tuning in on the Rebel HD2 with your hosts, Kevin Kelly and Will Despart. You can find us on Instagram at 1KevKelly and Will Despart. We'll see you next time on the Rebel HD2.